the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Oh, my God. This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the two-man power trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the prince of pro wrestling, and you are listening to two-man power trip. This is Jimmy Vine, the boogie Wooker man. Tell my people my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the show again. I appreciate you asking me back. So you said you were going to pinch yourself. I didn't know it was that kind of show now. I mean, if you guys are in the privacy of your own home, if you want to do these things. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Okay. Hey, man. What's up, guys? This is Homicide. Oh, that's my homie. Homicide with a big homie club. Yeah, that would be it. Hey, this is David Penzer, and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid, I, they knew they could kick the out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. of your opponents just two weeks away and I'm the Royal Rumble. I'm definitely getting oh, 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 oh. kick. Devastating maneuver and if that happens to Shawn Michaels and for that matter Marty Jannetty it's going to be goodbye rockers at the Royal Rumble. Mr. Fuji's Orient Express once again victorious as we go back to the replay. It's quite obvious that Mr. Fuji has this team ready and willing to take on anybody. A nice high drop kick sets him up with a front suplex. Down he goes. A strong kick to the head and a belly to back. One, two, three. Uh -huh. Don't forget this maneuver. Mm. Good for the lower back. Yeah. This is oh, the two-man power trip of wrestling brought to you today and powered by our good friends over at Figures Toy Company. Head on over to figurestoycompany.com right now and check out the rising stars of professional wrestling and the legends of professional wrestling action figure lines featuring over 30 amazing superstars from the world of professional wrestling, both past and present, where the figures are perfectly in scale with other wrestling figure brands and bring to life some of the most extravagant and eccentric professional wrestlers to ever step through the squared circle ropes. So head on over to figurestoycompany.com right now and check out these amazing figures. 
And why don't you go find our good old buddy, the franchise Shane Douglas, as part of that Legends of Professional Wrestling line, and head on over to YouTube and check out the official unboxing of the Legends of Professional Wrestling Shane Douglas action figure right now after you're done listening to this amazing interview here we've got today. Because if you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner on the two-man power trip, the one and only JP John Paz. And John, today we get to close out the tag teams. We get to put the uh, bookmark here for another week in the tag team column as we close out Bad Company and the Orient Express as Pat Tanaka joins today's program. And like we talked about last week with Paul Diamond, we talked about a lot of the great memories of the Orient Express when Cato joined the team. But now we get to talk about when Sato was a member of the Orient Express and the amazing career of Pat Tanaka, who seemingly, and if you talk to Pat Tanaka, you find out had a career which was a little bit uh, much grander than he had expected when he first got into the business, overcoming a lot of obstacles in terms of what he felt in uh, the uh, mic skill department as well as in the size department. But when you talk to Pat Tanaka and you, if you ever watch his body of work, you know that when he stepped through those ropes, that he was uh, one hell of a performer, and we talk a lot about some of these great matches and some of these great feuds that he had as a tag team specialist in the 1980s and into the early 1990s. And I got to tell you, just personally, really cool to talk to Pat Tanaka, a guy that hasn't done a lot of interviews in the past, and whenever he has, he always says something that's very uh, on point and very matter-of-fact because uh, he's another one of these stray shooters, but he was generally somebody who loved being in the wrestling business and really loved being in the WWF during that heyday of uh, the absolute mania of professional wrestling in the late 80s and early 90s. And now, John, as I welcome you in here now, I mean, I know you're going to kind of echo these sentiments because Pat Tanaka, albeit maybe not the biggest name in the history of the business, to us, it's a huge name because these are stories and these are uh, tales and these are some insights that I don't think we ever felt we'd get on the airwaves, but Pat Tanaka, man, he sure was full of a ton of amazing stories and amazing little anecdotes about the wrestling business. For sure, and first of all, you got to think about he's a rare get, definitely a rare interview, and when you do see some interviews with him, whether they're shooting interviews or wherever online, you always get a crazy, I wouldn't say maybe crazy, but just different opinion than what you would think you would normally get. So I love the fact that he's a little, you know, I would say off the wall or crazy or anything like that, but you, you definitely get a different opinion than you will get some from some other wrestlers. You're not going to get generic answers, not going to get any ho-hum interview. You're going to get some good stuff, some funny stuff, some great stories. But also you're going to complete the tag team here, obviously, Orient Express. had Paul Diamond on last week. Pat Tanaka this week, Bad Company, a.k.a. Orient Express, get completed. And I personally love when we're able to do that, when we're able to get both guys and the tag team on and kind of finish it off, if you will, like that. So I thought that's really cool. The thing with Pat, and, you know, we're talking about Rare Interview, talking about a guy who's a straight shooter, you're talking about completing a tag team. What I was kind of, you know, stuck out to me or what I thought was funny was, when you're talking to him, you know, you're getting these great answers, getting this great stuff. You're learning some stuff you didn't know. You're getting some stuff that you didn't think you'd hear. But you're also getting some stuff out of him that maybe he didn't even know, if, if that makes any sense. Like, for instance, the Goldberg theme song. He was saying, like, wait, I had Goldberg's theme song? Like, you had to almost 
kind of tell that story. And when, when you get to that part of the story, which is a little bit later on in the episode, you will laugh because that is a great part. And I remember thinking to myself, I was like, wow, he, he didn't even realize that that was eventually Goldberg's theme. So that is a, a very, very good and, and funny story kind of just to throw out there as well. But Chad, besides him being just a great interview and you get some sometimes wacky but great answers from him, besides finishing the tag team, besides him being rare, I know that there is one other thing that you love uh, about Pat Tanaka. Oh man, I hope uh, I hope I hit it on the uh, the head here. There's a lot of stuff I love about Pat Tanaka, but I did love talking about the Royal Rumble 1991, which is arguably one of the greatest matches in the history of the Royal Rumble. Is that what you were referring to? No, I, I was going to say El, when he played El Gato in WCW. <laughs> That's what I thought you were going to say. That was going to be my second choice. But no, I, I did love the Royal Rumble 91 match. That's where I kind of wanted to go. We, we could touch on El Gato in, in a minute. We could also talk about that killer jumpsuit that he wore uh, in those later days in WCW as well. Kind of like that Bruce Lee look a little bit. But I, I got to say, the Royal Rumble 91 match of the Orient Express and the Rockers, when Paul Diamond was a part of the team, is an absolute masterpiece of tag team wrestling. And and what we get with Pat Tanaka is a real inside look at what the match was supposed to be and what it became. And if you know of the history from listening to Paul Diamond last week with Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty, these four gelled so well that given that spotlight and given that opportunity to have a match like that on a show like the Royal Rumble, especially at that time in 1991, it's unbelievable unbelievable what they were able to do in the ring. See, it's leaving me kind of flabbergasted right now because if you look back at WrestleMania six, the Orient Express of Sato and Tanaka take on the Rockers, and not that it's a bad match by any stretch of the imagination. It doesn't have nearly the time that the one that the Royal Rumble had, but it's just an absolute tag team masterpiece, especially from that era. And John, I don't know if I'm selling it short, if I'm overselling it too much, but I got to say, it's probably one of my favorite tag team matches of all time. Yeah, and we mentioned it with Paul Diamond as well, which is kind of cool. We got to do back to back and talk about such a great match and such a legendary match. They give it 20 minutes. It leads off the show. They're both great tag teams as far as being great workers and they're both kind of given an opportunity and a spot there to really really kind of shine and make a name for themselves and did they take advantage i mean boy did they ever take advantage it was just that is a great match and i always think of that team the orange express and then just dominating world rumble 92 as well when they faced the new foundation of owen hart and jim neidhart so basically two years in a row they gave them two long matches to start off the card, and they hit a home run in each match. So if you are going to go to the WWE Network, so that's where I'm going to give you a WWE Network recommendation here. So go to WWEnetwork.com slash TMPT for your one-month free trial of the WWE Network. So I am recommending to you my WWE Network suggestion, if you will, is... Royal Rumble 1992. Yes, it's most known for Ric Flair winning it, and it being the greatest Royal Rumble match ever, and Bobby Heenan being gold on commentary. But first match leading off the night, Orient Express, new foundation, that is Tanaka and Diamond against Nightheart and Owen. Awesome match. So that is a WWE Network. Go to the pay-per-view section. Go to 1992. Go to the Royal Rumble. And if you want your one-month free trial, go to wbnetwork.com slash TMPT, and you will get your one-month free. 
So it wasn't going to be El Gato versus Conan from Great American Bash 96. I kind of thought that you were going to swerve us and throw uh, throw that gem out there if you wanted to get your El Gato fix. That actually wouldn't be that bad of a choice, but we knew that Pat, for whatever reason, hated that gimmick. <laughs> but just like I said in our special edition episode with Conan, the fact that we were able to tie Max Moon between Paul Diamond and Conan, I just tied Pat Tanaka to Conan, who is tied to Paul Diamond. So there you go. So the last three episodes that we published in the two-man power trip interview genre have all been tied together uh, officially. I love it. That's That's, uh, pretty damn good that we're able to do that. (laughs) Exactly. So as we wrap it up here, we want to thank Pat Tanaka for coming on and uh, really giving us an amazing interview. What a passionate guy and telling us about history with his father and breaking into the business as a uh, kind of under the radar second generation wrestler. We wouldn't really think about Pat Tanaka in that, uh, that vein, but he gives us a little bit more of his backstory and hearing the emotion that he has and making his father proud and getting into the WWF. It's all in this episode. And we want to thank Pat Tanaka for really opening up the way he did to us uh, and only the way we kind of get on this show sometimes. Uh, so please enjoy this, and we want to send you over to figurestoycompany.com and wrestlingsuperstore.com. We've been beating it over the head, and we want to help you guys help us with this and help us foster this relationship and grow and support both the Figures Toy Company brands as well as the Two-Man Power Trip and Triple Threat podcast brands. And why don't you head over to YouTube, check out the franchise unboxing of his Legends of Professional Wrestling action figure It's pretty cool to see Shane break it down and kind of give you the details of what you see in the action figure form and how it relates to uh, Shane Douglas in the flesh and what he sees from that keen eye, uh, from that that good old boy from the city of Pittsburgh. So check that out on our YouTube page and support us by going to figurestoycompany.com and tell them the two-man power trip of wrestling sent you. So let's wrap it up here, John. Let's get this show on the road. Hit him with a little bit of two-man power trip of wrestling business, and let's get it over to El Gato himself, Pat Tanaka. Now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter, at two-man power trip and at wrestling pal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend Bruno Sammartino, the late great American Dream Dusty Rhodes, the Enforcer Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr., Glenn Kane Jacobs, the phenomenal AJ Styles, lead WWE attorney Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also, while you're on the internet, check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. Check out our page. Check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Magnum TA, and so many others. Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, tmptofwrestling.com. And for all you Android users, please hit us up on Google Play or Player FM. And all you iOS users, please check us out on TuneIn Radio, Automatic, Spotify, and now iHeartRadio. And now, without any further ado, a man who was a part of Bad Company and the Orient Express, a former two-time AWA Southern Tag Team Champion, a former AWA World Tag Team Champion, he is Pat Tanaka. Sure. 
former AWA World Tag Team Champion, a two-time AWA Southern Tag Team Champion, and one half of two of my favorite tag teams of all time, Bad Company and the Orient Express, the one and only Pat Tanaka joins the two-man power trip of wrestling. Pat, how you doing tonight? I'm doing great, guys. How are you doing? Oh, we're doing just, just fine. Glad to be here on your show. <laughs> I appreciate you guys asking me on. It's an honor. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Pat. Really appreciate that. And, you know, we always try and go out of our way to get a hold of the guys that when we were watching wrestling back in the day, they stood out for a reason, whether it was the work that you did in the ring or the, uh, the, the character you brought to the television. It was something about that era that still to this day holds a dear place in so many fans' hearts, and that's what we try to do on this show. But the way we'll get it started here is how's everything going on in the world of Pat Tanaka these days? Hey, you know, I'm just uh, hanging in there trying to dodge all the bullets that come at me. You know what I'm talking about, man. Because I've lost a lot of close friends, you know, and it's just been crazy. So uh, I don't know why I'm still here, but I'm glad I am. Well, we're glad you're here, too. We were just over this past weekend, we were at a convention in New Jersey. And when you look around the room and you see the guys from the past, you see the people that still flock to them, the classic names. And, yeah, we've lost a lot of great ones over the last couple of months. And it's tough, you know, from the fan perspective, obviously. But for you as well, you know, you worked with these guys. You were friends with these guys. I'm sure it's even, uh, it's even harder. But what is it about that era that we just stick to it? You know, we stick to it like glue. We just go back to it constantly. We watch the tapes. We watch the WWE Network. We go on YouTube. We seek out these clips because there's something about that era of wrestling that we feel never come back ever again. Yeah, I, you know what? I, I couldn't tell you why. I mean, from, but I mean, it's just like you know when I when I was wrestling. I mean. You could hear the old timers talk about, you know, oh, these guys are new and they're changing. I mean, you know, they don't know what they're doing because it's not like the old school. I, I everything moves forward, everything changes. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's 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 what I guess you know what draws money right now and what people want to see right now. And uh, I really, honestly, couldn't tell you if they want to see old school wrestling or. It's whatever they're, you know, I guess, uh, how do you put it, like uh, trained to watch, <laughs> you know, or, or schooled to watch, you know. It's, it's all in the new era, you know. It's funny. It's really TV-driven, whether it's uh, used to be live event-driven or pay-per-view-driven. It's really just driven straight to the weekly TV. And, you know, all we needed to do was sit there and listen to you guys on Saturday morning tell us that, hey, get to Madison Square Garden because you're going to see Demolition take on the Orient Express. So you're going to see, you know, the Brain Busters and, uh, you know, the Rockers or something. You're going to see these matches and you build it up over weeks and weeks and weeks. And over a on a TV product the way it is now, it's hard to kind of uh, stimulate the, the, the product. You know what I mean? It's something you got to throw out there every week, see what sticks. I think that's a huge difference. I don't know. I could be wrong, but... It was something about that where you guys really had to work us to get into the building. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, it's like anything else. I mean, you know, uh, it's, you know, everything progresses, everything changes. It, 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 you know, it can't stay the same. It never could. You know, it's not like, you know, 40 years ago, we weren't the same as that we were, you know, 20 years ago. So, you know, things progress. People change and, and definitely, you know, WWE is, you know, changed a whole lot but i don't know if, if it's if it's worse or or if it's great or 
you know, it's, it's just what the people really want to see right now, you know? And, uh, I think like anything else, you know, I mean, I, I know for a fact that you do have, you know, some of the best talent right now in WWE and, and, People won't agree with it because they're programmed to watching it 20 years ago and 10 or 15 years ago or whatever. But, you know, you do have some of the greatest athletes ever in WWE, you know. So, you know, things change. You know, it's not – it's just different. It's not the same, you know. And and I'm sure people from our era, you know, don't think it's the same and it's not as good or whatever. But – you know what, maybe, you know, maybe if they really watched it and really were interested, maybe they would change. You know, I don't know, to tell you the truth, but, you know, I I couldn't tell you. All I know is that this man is a, a genius, you know, and whatever he touches and whatever he does, it, it turns to gold. So, I mean, you can't argue with the guy. He's got that. Yeah, you can't uh, you can't knock success. That's for damn sure, especially with the track record of uh, Mr. McMahon there. But you know, I'll tell you what. As funny as it is, preparing for the interview today and just kind of going through stuff online, and you're looking at clips, you're looking at uh, notes and stuff. And I happened to stumble across an event where you and Paul Diamond take on the Public Enemy, and it was an event that Jim Crockett was basically trying to get back into the wrestling business. And it was called WWN. It was a TV taping that never aired. But it was cool to see you and Paul Diamond back together in 1994. And again, it's something like that. That's 24 years ago. And I'm sitting here watching it like it's brand new. It always brings me back to the table. But watching you and Paul Diamond again, it's, uh, it's always fun to see. So that's, uh, I just wanted to throw that out there as we start getting rolling into some of the details of uh, your career. Well, I appreciate it. You know, I mean... Gosh, if you enjoyed stuff like that, man, you know, thank you very much. You know, I mean, I mean, it was, it, it, it's like, you know, for me, I know, you know, I was never that, you know, a big star or anything like that. For me, it was more like, uh, my, I knew my job, you know, uh, what my job was is to make other people become huge stars. And, and that was my favorite thing to do. You know, it wasn't like, you know, I was trying to be that star, you know, because I knew I didn't have those qualities. I, 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 I was, you know, I was happy with what I did, you know, because I loved what I, you know, taking those crazy ass bumps and just doing crazy stuff in the ring. I mean, that's what I love, you know, I'm paying for it now. Believe you me, it's hard for me to get out of bed, but, you know, that's what I love, you know, the craziness of this business. You know, making those guys look crazy great, you know, and, you know, I tried my best, you know, I mean, that, that's what I did, you know. And it's kind of funny, too, because, you know, you say you take the crazy bumps and, and both, I mean, whatever team you were in or whether you were working, it was always something different about how you were working in the ring. And it's funny we talk about the style today is it's, you know, very high risk, it's very spot heavy, it's very uh, things out of the ordinary, but at the time, you guys were doing stuff that wasn't really seen in matches before. So you said it's kind of cyclical. It kind of brings it back that in every era, somebody's going to find something that they say, oh, that's unconventional or, oh, that's not the same as what we're seeing right now. But you guys were always kind of ahead of the curve, especially I love the team of Bad Company. That was one of the teams that stuck out to me early growing up as a fan. I don't know. Something about you guys was different. But talk about that chemistry that you guys had once you got together. Yeah, Paul was unbelievable in the ring. 
that guy could move for his size, you know, he was a big guy and he could move and he could do any spot that, I mean, that you called. He was, a, he was incredible. There was no doubt about it. Paul was awesome. And it, you know what? I mean, me and him never even really had to say anything. So we pretty much knew what was next, what we had to do. And, and, and you just don't find that all the time. It's like the rockers, you know, Marty Jannetty, Shawn Mike. They never had to talk, you know. You know, I mean, we put that match together for Royal Rumble because we thought our match was going to be three minutes, you know. And they told us right when we were walking out, guys, we need 30 minutes. You know, I mean, that's hard to put together, <laughs> you know, when you're walking to the ring, you know. So, you know, I mean, it's like that. I mean, you know, it's just the chemistry we can have with your partner, with the people you work with, you know. I was lucky to to work with people like that. Shawn Michaels, Marty Jannetty, you know, Demolition. Legion of Doom was incredible to work with. You know, I mean, people like that, the Hart Foundation, you know. Oh, my God. You know, Bret Hart, Owen Hart, Jim Neidhart, you know. And, and everybody that, you know, was in that era, they, they, they really loved to work. And that's what was great about it. And for you to say that that match is supposed to be... Oh, we all do. But for you to say that that match is supposed to be three minutes, and yeah, it goes on about 30 minutes, is insane. But I got to tell you something, thinking about that match off the top of my head, because it's uh, one of the greatest non-Royal Rumble, Royal Rumble matches of all time. The pace of it at the start is so electric and so fast-paced. It looks like you guys were looking to work that three minutes. But for it to be changed, was that kind of, do you remember back to that match? Was that the uh, the initial thought that you guys were going to go at it, you know, fast and get out of there? But then you had to add on another 27 minutes to it. Exactly. I mean, it was like, you know, we were already saying, we'll just do this. You know, we put our finish together for the, you know, for the first three minutes. You know? Seven minutes, like you said, it was crazy, you know, and we just, I don't know, it, it just, it, like with the Legion of Doom, you know, I mean, you put us together, it didn't look right, you know, we had, you know, 500 pounds on us, you know, and uh, it looked ridiculous, us working with them, but when we worked with them, the chemistry we had, it was incredible, man, it was so much fun to work with them. I love flying for them, you know. I love taking those fast bumps. I love that kind of stuff. It was incredible. See, you guys and the Rockers at that point, I mean, to me, the perfect pairing because you, you four had a great chemistry in the ring, and obviously we worked together in the past. You had relationships with them. But when you're having that match at that point, do you know it's going down like even better than you had possibly imagined? And then when you get to the back, are you getting that kind of pat on the back for setting the pace of the show in such a high-octane way? I mean, uh, pretty much everybody, I remember this, that they, I mean, stood up in the dressing room and started clapping, you know, because, I mean, they knew we, I mean, pretty much we couldn't even breathe when we got back, but, you know, it was crazy. We were so out of breath, I couldn't even, couldn't even talk, you know? So, I mean, we were, like, blowed up and, uh, but I remember everybody really saying, man, what a match. It was great and everything. And that and that's something really rarely said, you know, back there, you know. You get any feedback? You get any feedback from 
I'm sorry, you get any feedback from Vince about it specifically? Oh, God. I mean, yeah. I mean, he definitely he just was blown away. Now, with that match, I mean, you guys, obviously, you worked together in the previous uh, iteration of the Orient Express as well with uh, the Rockers. But obviously, the, the relationship with Paul Diamond and you guys coming back together, and we'll get into that in a minute, but I just want to stay on this match because it's, I mean, if anybody, and I'm sure if you're listening to this, you have seen it. If you've never seen it, it's one of those matches that WWE still to this day will pump up around the Royal Rumble time because, like I said, it's high octane, it's fast paced, it's, it's everything that you would want to see in a match now in 2018, but we saw it in 1991. So my question, I guess, to be on this match was, if you had to pick one of those guys to work with, would it be a Shawn Michaels or would it be Marty? Who did you have the better chemistry with if you were to single out Rocker versus one member of your team? You know, I, honestly, I mean, we both, I mean, I've worked with both single matches and I tell you what, man, it's just incredible with both of them. I couldn't tell you. I, I wouldn't even want to pick. I would and because I know, you know, they're going to take care of me and I'm going to take care of them and, and it's going to be, you know, great. So, I mean, heck, it was a blast. We're one of I'm sorry I can't pick one, but, I mean, they're incredible. I love how when Royal Rebel 92 comes around, they kind of put you guys in that same spot thinking like, okay, you know, let's see you do it again, this time with the new foundation of Owen and Nightheart. What are your memories of, of them kind of doing the same thing and having another great match as the opener for a Royal Rumble? Oh, man, it was, I mean, it was incredible. Jeez, are you kidding me with Nightheart and Owen Hart? You couldn't get better with that. I mean, they were great. I mean, you know, I mean, I know you're giving me a lot of credit, and I appreciate it, but, you know, you got to give those guys more credit because, you know, they're the ones, you know, that were incredible. You know, I mean, they were. They worked their ass. You know, to work with us, it's hard because we're small guys. You know, I mean, those guys were huge, you know. Nightheart, man. I remember he used to apologize every time he'd give me that, uh, I forgot what it's called, the slam, you know, where he puts me over his back and he's like a whip to the mat. And I remember him calling on me and going, I am so sorry. <laughs> you know, he thought he, killed, he thought he killed me every time, you know. You know, I had to take that bubble like almost every night when I worked with him. So, you know, I, still paying for that one. I, every time I used to see him, I always told him that. So, yeah, it's, it's crazy. I mean, but really, I appreciate the credit. Man, I tell you what, you got to give them a lot more credit than they need I mean, than I deserve. That's for sure. Uh, nah, being that big and, you know, bumping for us is really a risk then. It is pretty much an honor, too, if you think about it, that you had such a good match the year before Royal Rumble. They kind of were, you know, basically three out there again, another basically 20-minute match. Is that something that you guys think about? Like, wow, you know, they're putting a lot of trust in us. We're the opener of one of the biggest shows of the year. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, I, well, I, you know, I mean, it was the thing that, you know, I mean, no one wants to be an opening match because I mean, it's the first match, all that. But to us, it was like, you know, hey, man, let's, you know, we're going to, 
you know, let's set it hard, you know, let's make it hard because it'll make the Royal Rumble even better, you know. You're trying to top our match, you know, you really got to top it. You got to work your ass off to top it. So, you know, we used to set that match high. I remember we used to try hard if we were the first match, you know, because that is what it sets the pace. Absolutely. You guys set a hell of a pace because that is one hell of a show. Uh, both Royal Rumbles are great, but 92 especially is such a great rumble. Now, what was the, the locker room like in the WWF at this point? Because you have so many big personalities, so many larger-than-life guys. I mean, you got the Hogans of the world, Macho Man, uh, Warriors gone at this point, but you got Sid. What was it like back there with that, that crazy group of characters? It was just a blast. We were family, man. Back then, it was different. You know, I mean, we were all together. You know, uh, we had 12 days off a year. So, you know, you figure you're with them every day, you know. And, heck, I mean, it was like, you know, it wasn't like if you were missing for, you know, a month, they might miss you. If you're missing for a day, they're going, where is he? You know, what's going on, you know? You never miss anybody. You know what I'm saying? Like, nobody mm-hmm. can miss a day and be missed. You know what I'm saying? Because we were, we were like a family, you know? It was, it was like, who's going to be closer to us than the wrestlers? Nobody, because we're with each other every day. Now, I got to rewind back just a little bit to, to you kind of getting into the WWF around 1990 when they pair you up originally with Sato, and obviously they give you guys the, the Japanese gimmick, the Orient Express, you managed by Fuji. What were your thoughts when they originally gave you that gimmick and your, the pairing with Sato and then Fuji? Well, man, I was just like, wow, can't believe it. You know, that's awesome. You know, I mean, for me, it was like, you know, they, you know, they were, it was, I remember, like, it was different for me because you got to remember, man, I mean, there was no small guys at that time, you know? I mean, I was 5'8", you know? I weighed 170 pounds or 160 or whatever. And I remember, you know, our first team we worked with was the demolition, you know? And they were looking at me going, you're right. You know, and uh, they were upset and everybody, you know, was going, you know, I'm not working with them, you know, bullshit, you know, you know, we're not putting over this guy and all this kind of stuff. It was hard, man. I mean, you walk in that dressing, you're intimidated, man. You got all these huge guys going, you know, what are you doing, Vince? You know, what what is this? Is this a joke? And all this kind of stuff. It was hard for me, man. It really was, you know, but... uh I don't know. I just, I just, you know, didn't, you know, I, I just did whatever they asked me to do, you know, no matter what. And uh, I, I know Vince had to tell him, you know, either you work with them or you leave, you know, because shit, I don't think half of those guys would have gotten the ring with me if they did, you know. But uh, it was hard, man. But uh, you know, I mean, just after a couple matches, you know, everybody started really. You know, taking it easy, you know, and and getting to know me, and you know, we started getting along and everything, you know, because they knew I worked my ass off, 
You know, they knew I was going to bump my ass off for them. They knew I was doing my job. You know, I wasn't out there to look like to be a star or anything like that. I was there to make them look like one. That was my job. You know, and uh, you know, you know, you can. I guess there was a lot of guys that were in my shoes that didn't want to be there. If you know what I mean, I guess. Um, they, they were hired for the same reason I was hired. And I guess they didn't want to be in that position. Uh, I guess they wanted to become more than, you know, an enhancement or whatever you want to call it. You know, I, I, I knew what I was there for, you know, it wasn't like I knew, I, I didn't think I was, you know, working with Hulk or anybody, you know, on a weekly basis or anything like that, or with, uh, Whoever, you know, we got our spot, you know, we got our spot to work for, I don't know how many months with the demolition front, you know, with, with all the big teams, you know, but you know what, in the end, you knew, we knew what our job was, you know, to get them over. So, I mean, we didn't have that transition, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, we were worried about our spot. No one wanted our spot. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, you were getting in there to move up in the company. Me, I knew what I was there for, you know? They were paying me beautiful money to get these guys over, and I was happy, you know? That's what I want. And it is such an important role, too. Well, I mean, it is. I mean, for real, it is, but... You know, a lot of guys don't see it like that. You know, they don't want to be doing jobs. Even though that the whole world knows it's a work, they don't want to get beat. You know, it just, <laughs> you know, I, I, you know what I mean? I, it's just, I, I never had a problem with it. You know, I mean, hell, you know. So, you know, for me to do that job was perfect. You know, get paid, you know, boo boo bucks just to, you know, here to look at the ceiling every night was great, you know? So I didn't mind that at all, you know, but uh, there was a lot of people that did. So, I mean, as you were saying, you know, what was my expectation? I had, you know, I knew what my job was. I was there. I was happy. I knew what I was going to do. With that gimmick, the Orient Express, and obviously you're not really from Japan, but you know, I, you know, they can they can make it out to be, and then you play the gimmick, and you guys played it up well. Did you mind playing that gimmick at all, or, or is that something you, you you took to quite well? No, I didn't mind it at all. I mean, I'm Japanese for real, but I'm not from Japan. I mean, you know, right. I'm born in the states, you know, and uh, heck, you know, I didn't mind it at all. I mean, part of my, you know, third generation. <laughs> you know, so uh, I am Japanese, and I didn't mind playing Japanese. I mean, it's cool with me. You know, what better character? You know, especially if it gave uh, people would have painted or got fucking what do you call it? Uh, plastic surgery to look Oriental to take my place, right? Probably like a hundred thousand <laughs> yeah. wrestlers would have done it in a heartbeat. You know, oh, yeah. yep. You know, I mean, so I mean, how could I? How could I say no? 
very, very true. And of course, being with Fuji must have been quite fun because we even talked to Paul Diamond not that long ago, and he was talking about how uh, Fuji was quite a river and would play, uh, uh, you know, a lot of pranks on the road. Oh God! Fuji, <laughs> 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 man. Yeah, I was at the butt of his jokes a couple times. You know, it was ribs, you know, him and Kenny and, you know, Kurt was, oh, he was the greatest guy in the world, you know. And he was the man when it came to ribs. You know, you know and it was, uh, it was, I mean, it was quite a trip with Fuji, no doubt about it, man. You know, we miss him a lot. And, you know, he was, he was quite, quite the guy, you know. He was awesome. We had beautiful times together. You know, and and we were we were so lucky to have him as a man. He uh, starting with one of the top in the business. Come on, you can't get any better than that. Yeah. And Paul uh, mentioned to us that Mr. Fuji may have in a bar peed in in somebody's beer bottle, and the guy may or may not have drank that beer bottle with piss in it. And cried. <laughs> I don't know if he told you that. <laughs> but I remember the guy crying his eyes out after he found out. You know, I, I don't blame him. If I would drink Fuji piss, I probably would have stabbed my fucking... <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, but I'm just saying, I mean, he was... Quite the, quite the evil one, no doubt about it. You know, I remember a lot of eyebrows shaved. I remember a lot of heads shaved. I remember people losing their hair on the plane. Oh, my God, it was crazy. I remember myself losing half my hair on the plane. One eyebrow on the plane. You know, uh, you know, now Marty still says it wasn't him, but you know, we'll see. Oh, oh Marty. <laughs> no. He says, I wouldn't do that. No, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if he still blames him. it on Hulk. <laughs> oh, my God. Come on, you can't blame the Hulkster. Yeah, right? Yeah. He still says it was Hulk till this day, you know? So, I don't know. I'm always curious about, you know, with the Orient Express and stuff. I know we were talking about Sato and Fuji stuff, but obviously they put you back with Paul Diamond. You and Diamond had great chemistry as their company. You guys are such a great team. Did you kind of think it was funny that, you know, they got they got to throw the mask on him? And obviously, you know, they're going to pretend he's Japanese, but you kind of just think it's funny. It's like your good old partner, but it's not him. It, it's it's Kato in a mask. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, I remember. I mean, so clearly, because uh, Sato told me that he was, you know, he, he was going to retire from wrestling and that he wanted to get in the office and work in the office. And I said, oh, man, what am I going to do? I, I said, I didn't stand a chance with singles, you know. So I was thinking, you know, I went to Vince, straight to Vince, like 10 minutes after him. And I said, Vince, can I, can I call Paul Diamond? bring him in my partner and he goes well how's that gonna work and i said do anything put a mask on him whatever you want man 
I said, because he's great in the ring. And he goes, I'll give him a try. So he called. I remember calling Paul and calling, man, can you do this date? And he goes, hell yeah. And I remember, you know, and flying in. And, and uh, we were, I'll tell you, the first match we did together was Kate Gerard. And um, uh, and I remember uh, tearing the house down that night with the Rockers. I mean, it was, you know, not hard with them because, I mean, they were awesome. But I remember, you know, I remember Vince going, Yep, let's do it, you know. So after that match, we were a team. Again, it was beautiful the way it worked out. You know, I miss, you know, Sato was no slouch whatsoever, about 50,000 times the worker I'll ever be. And um, it just it just happened to be, you know, because, I mean, uh, Sato was, had almost, what, 20, 23 or 24 years on me. And he could still move, you know? I just love that he, you... He was incredible. I just love that you're the one that kind of said to Vince, you know, put Paul Diamond under a mask and let us team together because we're going to tear the house down. Well, I didn't tell him that. I just said, you know, I mean, I said, can you come and be my partner? We can throw a mask on. We can do anything you'd like, you know, just to see if it'll work. And we could change the gimmick. We could do whatever you like or anything. And he's the one that came up with the idea. You know, it's Kato and all that. I didn't have come up with that. Oh, okay. Um, he was the one that came up with it. Yeah, I mean, all I didn't mean that as I had my idea. I remember just saying, can we throw a mask on? Can we do anything just to try him out and, you know, see if it would be good with us and everything like that. And I knew already. And we'd be great because, I mean, we were so, you know, I love being Paul's partner before, you know. Oh, yes. CWA, AWA, I mean, you guys uh, went up and down the road together. When they decided to split you guys up, I mean, you guys had so many great matches, like you mentioned, Heart Foundation, Demolition, uh, Legion of Doom, Rockers. Why did they decide to split you guys up when they did? Uh, uh, well, we were experiencing drug problems at that time, so, um, that's when they split up, so, uh, it was kind of crazy. I mean, you know, I mean, that was the 90s era, you know, everybody was going crazy back then, so, that was a big reason. Ah, gotcha. It was definitely rampant uh, uh, in wrestling, especially in, in the 90s, that's for sure. Is that the reason for the exit at, at that point that you were gone? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But they keep bringing you back in, right? For sporadic appearances, you kind of return, you do the, the karate gimmick, you know, things like that. So they, they do right. still have you, they do still like you, and you are still on their radar, right? Uh, back then, yeah. Yeah, in, in that time well, frame, like I mean, I think I was there all the way until two thousand, I think, or no, ninety nine, uh, off and on. Hey, you make a lot of except for ninety four. What's that? Yeah, you make a lot of sporadic appearances uh, with the WWF, like back and forth, back and forth. 
is that something where they, they want to sign you to a contract or they're just trying you out or they're just doing dark matches? Like, how come the, the sporadic appearance? Oh, because, I mean, I was working for so many different... I was working uh, uh, for New Japan and I was working for AAA and uh, who else was I working for? ECW. And ECW at the time was not with Vince at that time. It is great, though, that, you know, that he still kind of brings you back and you're still making appearances uh, throughout the year. So, you know, you're still on the radar. He still appreciates you. Still, you know, still being a good worker. But it is great that you're kind of going back to New Japan. You're wrestling in Mexico. You're wrestling in ECW. Did you enjoy kind of being a world traveler rather than just working those 300 dates a year for the WWF? No, you know what? Uh, to tell you the truth, no. I mean, I would have loved to stay with them. You know, I mean, if they would have put me back on contract, I would have loved to stay with them. But, uh, you know, I, you know, I don't know. It just never really worked out. And you can't forget, obviously, WCW because I know you'll say, you know, you, you kind of had the same role with there. Obviously, when you first got there, it was Tanaka Son and Haito instead of. Kato and Pat Tanaka. Um, that was kind of your first run uh, through WCW. Did you think that, that uh, maybe Bischoff was going to sign you kind of at that point with Paul Diamond? Uh, yeah, I thought we were, but then, uh, I don't know, things changed. And, um, you know, uh, our relationship with, with uh, because we had a really good relationship with Eric Bischoff. For many years, and when we were in AWA, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I saw him there in WCW, our relationship had changed without, I don't know. I mean, I didn't know it was changed, but it was. And so, I mean, it was a whole different ball game for us, you know. Um, for some reason, he didn't like our work anymore. And, you know, he just kind of passed us over, and he put me in the train train guys he uh he wanted me to train glacier uh gosh uh, goldberg a couple other guys there and uh and basically just do jobs you know so Mm -hmm. i mean i was fine with that but uh um, you know me and him uh i guess didn't see eye to eye on a couple things so that was it for me with him and they let me go. So after that, you know, uh, I just went back to New Japan and uh, I worked for AAA a couple times. And, you know, I mean, I was having a blast. And then Singapore came up for for a while for me. Uh, I was going back to Singapore every year with Mark Lewin and uh, Jake Roberts. Uh, I mean, and, and uh, who else this. Oh, wow. Um, oh, my God. Oh, God. Bob. Um, uh, oh, my God. I can't believe this. <laughs> Man, my memory is getting bad already. But uh, it, uh, we used to go back and forth to Singapore every year. We used to do a tour over there for like, I think it was almost six weeks over there. And uh, I tell you what, that was great it was a great tour too 
And uh, Mark Lewin set it up and Kevin Sullivan. So, I mean, we had really good tours. And then I would go to Japan from there, do the tours over there, come back. So, I mean, I was pretty busy either way. And, you know, it's interesting. I, I just don't want to kind of brush over this fact. Cause when you were in WCW, I don't even know if you'll remember this, but you actually had Goldberg's theme song before Goldberg had Goldberg's theme song. <laughs> you know, everybody, excuse me, everybody says that, but um, honestly, I don't remember that. You know, I don't even know what Goldberg, first of all, never listened to it, never saw his entrance, but I mean, um, everybody's talking about that. And I never knew that I did, you know, it was kind of crazy. I'm like, what? really? That's a big thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. It's a legendary yeah. theme. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I didn't even realize that. I didn't even know I had a theme. You know, you know, I mean, it was more like, I mean, I, I, I hated really wrestling over there because uh, I love teaching so much, you know, and I, I, I really enjoyed the teaching instead of working more, you know. Um, it was probably because I, you know, I missed the tag team, you know. Uh, I think at the time they were getting rid of tag teams in WCW. Yes. Um, so I can't remember that, but I mean, I know we didn't, you know, have too many tag matches and I was always in a single and I hated that because I knew, you know, that for me, because I'm, I'm not, I'm not a big guy. I'm not, you know, a monster. It's just, they used to throw me out there and just say, you know, get this guy over whatever, you know, and, uh, you know, that's no fun to me. What's fun to me is, you know, working that team, you know, and, 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 you know, really going at it. I mean, that's when you got speed, everything, you know, the timing comes in and I know singles for big guys is great, you know, but for me, nah, you know, that's not, that's, you know, that wouldn't have worked for me. You know, I'm glad I was always attacking, you know, I mean, you see by my size and you know, wasn't going to make it. So, Now, with your role, obviously, in, in New Japan, so you basically started with New Japan, correct? Is that where you trained, or you trained under your father, mostly? No, I, I trained with Hiro Matsuda first. Okay. You know, and, uh, and then that's when I went to New Japan. He sent me there. And then uh, I trained there for four years. And then after that, you know, came back to... The States, and I remember Dusty booking me in the Crockett Promotions down in North Carolina. I was there for a year. And then right after that, I went to Nashville. And that's where I met Paul Nyman, Jeff Garrett, everybody, and, uh, you know, had a blast there. I stayed there for a long time, worked there until... Wahoo McDaniels came and uh, he wanted me to go to AWA. So that's when I went to AWA. And, uh, well, me and Paul became partners in CWF uh, in Memphis. 
I remember we were tag team there, Bad Company. And uh, that's when uh, Walton came in and took us away. He definitely saw some great chemistry uh, with you and Paul, that's for sure. When you, you were paired in AWA with Paul, but also with Diamond Dallas Page, is that something that you guys thought was a, was a good combination? Oh, I loved it. I mean, you couldn't get a better manager than Diamond Dallas Page. And he had that charisma, you know, he had everything, you know. And uh, the only thing that was a hindrance to that is that he was such a big guy. You know, he was a big guy and we were small. <laughs> I mean, I was small, you know. So it kind of looked funny. Our manager was, like, huge and we were small. And... Uh, but that, I mean, that was the only downfall. But, I mean, that guy could talk, I mean, I mean all day, all night. He was incredible. That and, is true. Uh, and that, that is funny. You don't even think about it, that he's, what, 6'4", 6'5", and he's probably bigger than most or half of the locker room when he's a manager. Yes, exactly, you know. So, I don't know. I mean, but I'm glad he became older. He became one of the greatest, you know. No doubt about it. You know, he can work his ass off, and he well deserves it. Anybody that starts at his age, how old he was when he started, oh, my God. You know, that's incredible. You know, you got to start young in this business, and hopefully you'll make it by 30, you know. But uh, he started around, I guess, 35, around there, and, you know, God almighty. I mean, he became, you know, been one of the biggest stars in this business. And the AWA is basically, I guess, where, where you kind of first meet up and, and face the Midnight Rockers, or a.k.a. the Rockers. Is that why you guys had such a good chemistry? I know you guys win the, the AWA tag titles and you guys have a great feud, but is that why you guys had such great chemistry in the WWF? Did that come from your you know great you know work with them in AWA? Yeah, well, I mean, you know that we work together, man. I mean, we work together before AWA. We were working together when we were in uh, in Memphis. Oh, okay. So, I mean, it was. I mean, we used to have a blast working with them everywhere we went. You know, Pensacola, Florida. You know, work with them in in Tennessee and God everywhere pretty much and, and God they were incredible to work with so I mean every chance we got we work with them you know such great chemistry I love kind of going back and not only the WWF but looking like wow you know they worked AWA wow they worked CWA and you kind of want to go out and want to you know, capture that footage because you guys had just unbelievable matches wherever you went so that was kind of great with AWA and your run there, when you exited from AWA, is that something where they're scouting you at the WWF? Like Wahoo kind of scouted you from Memphis and stole you and brought you to the AWA. Is somebody from the WWF scouting you at the AWA and kind of stealing you away? You know, I honestly, I, I don't know if they're scouting us or whatever. You know, I mean, after our run and after we got beat by Reagan's and Tara, I remember, you know, um, where did I go? I was headed to Portland. 
to work over there. And uh, I was in Portland when I got the call from WWF. And uh, Vince had asked me uh, if I wanted to work for them. And I said, well, who wouldn't? You know, of course I would, you know. Uh, I remember him flying me in the next day. And uh, that following week, I remember starting with them. And uh, God, I mean, it was like, you know, I mean, and that's where you wanted to be. Everybody wanted to be there. It was like, uh, you know, getting signed to the Yankees, you know, I mean, it was, it was pretty incredible. Absolutely. Now, Vince himself, he's the one that's actually making the call. It's not, it's not like Bruce Pritchard or Pat Patterson. It's actually Vince McMahon making the call. You know, I, I honestly, uh, I don't remember who made the call. It was either, well, maybe it was Vince. Because, you know, I, I don't know if it was then or after. But I remember him talking about my own, my old man, you know, about my dad and everything that, you know, Vince knew my dad. And, and I think it was him that called, or maybe it was Pat, and then when I flew in for the contract signing, it was Vince that said it then, but it was either, ah, I'm sure it was, I'm sure it was like probably Pat, then I knew I, I was, I knew when they flew me in, I was talking to Vince, but I hmm. remember, I don't remember the phone call. I was kind of like a little bit happy when I signed with him. Now, you know, you mentioned your dad. Yeah, I remember the same day, but, but the same day, this is funny, the same day, I remember Ric Flair calling me and asking me if I wanted to go to WCW. Oh, wow. The same day, it was funny, you know? And it was like three hours after uh, I talked to WWF, that's when um, Flair called me to go to WCW. And I don't know if you remember this, this is when uh, um, Mudo, Mudo was in uh, WCW. Yes. Right? Yep. You remember him? Oh, yeah. And, and do you remember, like, uh, probably a while after that, uh, Hiro Matsuda was there. Yes. As a manager. Right? Yep. That was supposed to be my position. They wanted me to manage Mudo. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, so it was like, God, you know, I didn't have to think twice about that one. I was like, oh, no, I don't want to be a manager. You know, <laughs> I can't talk, so why would I have to be a manager? <laughs> I, have no, I have no rap whatsoever. <laughs> you know, not a chance. It came on to me. You know, I, I, I knew, you know, what was the competition there. So. Now, do you think WCW was calling, do you think WCW was calling you to try to get you not to go to WWF, or do you think that it's just a strange coincidence they called you after the WWF called you? I think it was just a strange coincidence because, honestly, what could I hurt by going to WWF? I mean, you know, I mean, it was not like, you know, it was like, uh, you know, some big star getting signed to, you know, it was just a coincidence because I think they needed someone Japanese for Moodle, you know. 
And before you mentioned Vince, knowing your father, obviously your father was a, a big time wrestler in Japan and, and obviously in, in some other places as well. Is your father the one that got you into the business? Did he want you to become a professional wrestler? No, not at all. No, he didn't want me to be uh, in this business. You know, um, he, I mean, I, the only, I, I think it was because uh, at the time they needed uh, a referee and people at the time for people to, you know, set up the ring, things, stuff like that. You know, and that's what I was used for, you know, at the time. You know, it wasn't like, you know, uh, he wanted me in business at all. In fact, he hated the idea. You know, he knew I was a little bit, you know, out of my mind. You know, definitely didn't want me in this business. You know, <laughs> this is not the business for people that are kind of crazy. <laughs> you know? Which is funny, too, that you'd be paired with Fuji later then. Which, yeah, exactly. Uh, in fact, I mean, uh, if you think about it, I mean, uh, most of the people in this business are, you know, are kind of crazy, you know, and um, I don't know. Uh, he, uh, more or less, he didn't want me to be in the business because he knew that I was not going to be a big guy. He knew that I was small. He knew that, if anything, I would be just a job boy, you know, and, uh, you know, and he didn't want that for me, you know. Now he passed. You know, I have a lot of brothers that were a lot bigger. Than I, you know, huh? I was going to say, he passed away in 1991, so that was right in the midst of your uh, your time in the WWF. So did he get a chance to see you on that big stage? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and uh, I guess, I mean, he couldn't believe it, you know. <laughs> you know that uh, that uh, that they hired me. You know, first of all, you know he just really couldn't believe that. You know, and and I, uh, you know, uh, I couldn't either. So, but he was definitely he came to a, a couple of my matches. You know, so I mean, I, I, I honestly I couldn't tell you today if he was proud of me or if he. Or if he liked it that I was there, or you know, I, I honestly couldn't tell you. So, you know, I mean, he loved the business, and uh, you know, he for one, you know, he never drank. You know, you know, he wasn't the womanizer. He wasn't, uh, you know, very straight laced. Loved his family. Took care of his family. You know, and, uh, you know, for me, I was just the total opposite, you know, biggest screw up you ever met, you know, uh, uh, just, I just love the business, you know, and, uh, I guess that was, I don't know. I, I, you know, I, it was so hard. It was so different at the time, uh, or I guess like pro wrestling, it changes, you know? And eras change, you know, and and back then when my dad was growing up and taking care of him, that's what was important at that time, you know. And those were like, you know, and, and it's not, I didn't mean like it changes. I meant like for me it was a different era, you know. That wasn't my thing, you know. I, 
I wasn't looking for a family. I wasn't trying to, you know, raise a family, things like that. I was there. I was working and I was too busy for anything else to work. You know? Um, so, I mean, that's, you know, probably, you know, one of my biggest things in my life that, you know, I never did right, you know, is, you know, uh, I didn't have a family, nothing like that. Wrestling with my family. And, you know, so I guess, you know, I lived a different life. You know, it wasn't like my father at all. So I went the opposite way, drinking, uh, drugs, you know, the whole thing, you know. But, uh, you know, it was just what, you know, was around for me at the time. (laughs) Well, you know, you hit that pinnacle, you hit that that time in the WWF. And obviously, I mean, like we've talked about throughout this whole interview so far, it immortalizes you, you know, and whether or not you feel... There might have been things that that didn't go the way it should have. No matter what, nobody's going to take away from the fact that you are forever immortalized uh, on film uh, in the hearts and minds of fans that still, you know, I'll take myself as a great example. As somebody who just goes back and wants to be entertained, I'll go back and watch something from the early 90s because I know you guys will deliver. So whether or not you feel there's some things you might have missed out on, I got to tell you, from the fan perspective, you did your job, and we uh, we can't thank you enough for it. I mean, it's, uh, it's still to this day. What you did in the ring, it's uh, it's magic. Well, I do appreciate that, man. Thank you so much, man. You know, and 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 the thing was is that you know I enjoyed every minute of being in the ring and taking the crazy stuff in the ring, all those crazy bumps and stuff like that. And God, you know, I mean, it was it was probably the best times of my life, no doubt about it. You know. What, what more could you want, you know, to be happy and to have a job that you love, you know? That's what it was all about at that time, you know? And, uh, oh, and by the way, if you guys get a chance, you know, ever, um, go onto my Facebook or Facebook and look up Mark Zero. That's that movie I just did. And, um, I kind of play the Mr. Miyagi of the thing, so... You know, I don't have a lot of lines because I can't. I, I can never talk on camera, so that's why they always had me a manager. <laughs> I got the worst rap in the world, man. So if you ever, uh, if you ever, you know, bored or something, you know, look it up. Monster Force Zero. Uh, it comes out in 2018. It comes out this year sometime, and uh, they're working. And it's on YouTube right now. The uh, the trailer. You can see it. It's called Monster Force Zero. Just check it out, man. Uh, the cast is incredible on it. You know, the ones I work with, you know, it's not one of those A movies or anything. It's, you know, it's it's not a big budget movie or anything like that. But you know what? Yeah. The director, the guy that produced it and everything, he's incredible. You know, I mean, the things he did, I mean, were incredible with this thing. So please check it out, man. You know, uh, one of my great friends, Mike Casito, he was uh, one of the guys who wrote the movie. He uh, just met me and, and wrote me in on that part. You know? So, you know, I got to thank him a lot. You know, he uh, gave me a great break to do the movie and everything. If you guys can check it out, you know, Monster Wars Zero, you know, it's, it's awesome. 
it's, it's so much fun. We did, we had a great time, you know. So check it out. I'd appreciate it. You know, it'd be great. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we're gonna send everybody there too. At the end of this interview, we're gonna give, do go all and do it all over again, and we're gonna uh, we're gonna plug that movie for you. So I gotta ask you, you're playing the Mr. Miyagi character. And uh, maybe he was a little more evil, but did you channel any Mr. Fuji while you're preparing for the role or what? Yeah, exactly, man. I, I mean, I was going, man, you know, I feel like Fuji, man. I'm starting to look like him, you know, I'm going bald, you know, so <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, we all like getting old, you know, so, I mean, losing a lot of hair, you know, but uh I, you know what, man? I'm just going to keep on kicking till it stops. You know, so that's all I can do. Now, as we start to wind it down here, I got to ask, because we're, we're talking about some great matches you had. And, you know, we have our favorites. But what are your some of, you know, your favorite matches uh, of your career? Oh, God, man. I mean, you know, it's funny. I, I can't. I mean, it's just like. Whenever anybody asks me that, it's like all these matches just pass through my face, and I and I'm like, God, you know, I mean, I, I don't know, I mean, and there's so many, you know, I mean, it was just it, great matches are not, uh, how do you say, you know, not always rated as my best match or whatever. It's how much fun we had, you know, with it, how many. How, how our timing was that night, you know, you know, whether or not we took enough bumps, whether or not, you know, our timing was on, whether or not, you know, we had fun, you know, I mean, those are the things that make the match, you know, so like, if you got to say that, I mean, like both of the Royal Rumbles, you know, um, 90 and 91, I mean, they were incredible, you know, one with the Rockers or, and one with the Heart Foundation, you know, or, it just, or Legion of Doom, you know, that was incredible matches for us, you know. We had a blast. And before, you know, uh, because they gave us a hell of a bump, you know, I mean, that was, you know, that was a lot of fun, you know. I mean, it was, those are the times that you remember, you know. It just, it just didn't matter who you work with, or, I mean, or, you know, what people thought or whatever it was just you know that night you know they all passed in front of me going yeah i love that one i love this one but you know the royal rumbles were great you know the matches with the legion of doom they were awesome you know double backdrop hit the lights you know i remember hitting the lights on tv you know when they threw me up for that double backdrop just to remember all these matches and i'm going wow you know so long ago I don't know if you'll remember this, but also playing El Gato in WCW. I know you didn't remember the Goldberg theme, but what about playing El Gato? <laughs> yeah, who could forget that? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Just bring back a nightmare for me. <laughs> you know, I think that was one of Eric Bischoff's better ribs. You know, <laughs> I think he got me that time. He got me great that time, you know. Oh, God. That was a nightmare for me. I remember <laughs> out of anything. I did not want to do that one. <laughs> that was probably my worst nightmare. 
Now, looking back, I remember you, going, God, I said, my God, did he put me good. <laughs> that guy ripped me like hell. It was great. And he, I mean, you know, they got me so good that I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, I know. You know, I said, he got me. He really did. <laughs> Looking off, back, though, you did have a good match with Conan, though. Oh, God, man. You know, uh, absolutely, you know, it, it, you know, those were a little bit harder matches for me, you know. Um, uh, they were, it was difficult to work with, you know, just his, I guess to how to say his ego was a little much, you know, never wanted to do anything but offense and, you know, so, I mean, it was really hard. As far as, as far as... As far as some of your favorite opponents, I know obviously the Rockers are going to be up there, but is there some opponents out there that we haven't mentioned or that maybe we wouldn't think about that you would consider kind of like your favorite opponents? Well, yeah. I mean, you take the Bushwhack, of course, you know. You take Power and Glory, you know. Oh, my God, man. They were awesome. You take uh, Ming and uh, Barbarian, you know. Me or giant me, you know. I mean, it was just. I mean, it was so much fun working with all of them. You know, it was great. You know, and, but I mean, it was. But I mean, you know, you put together, you know, like a match against, you know, us against giant, and it was hard, you know, because you know we were so small. You know, what can you do with them? You know, so you know, all my, I had to do was take a hundred fifty bumps instead of fifty. You know. So, I mean, it was just, you know, more work if you work with bigger guys like that. Now, as we get to the wrap-up here, Pat, I got to say this. John is obsessed with the Goldberg theme song, and we'd be remiss if we didn't mention it. But, I mean, how great is the Bad Company theme song to pick for a team called Bad Company? I mean, that is absolutely the perfect choice. And if I defy a wrestling fan to not hear that song and start to think about you two, you walking in the ring, rubbing your hands together... It's uh, it's a thing of beauty when you look back at it. So let's not talk about the Goldberg thing. Let's talk about Bad Company, baby. Hey man, best times of my life, right? <laughs> I remember, I remember, I was telling Paul this, you know. I was going, man, we got to go out. Oh, it's my favorite song. And I love them, and, you know, and every day. And, uh, and he goes, okay, let's do it. And I remember. I was walking out to the song, and it was like the whole people, the whole reaction of the people changed, you know? They all stood up, and they were looking like, wow, you know, that's cool, you know? So, I mean, the people dug it, so we were like, yeah, this is it, man. And I remember uh, Jerry Jarrett saying, hey, you guys want to do this full, you know, go. I'll buy you new outfits. You guys go do it up. And, uh, so that, I remember the next week we, we bought all these outfits, man, and formed in the ring and everything, and we got so many calls at the station because we had the net things on our legs, you know, and they were complaining, you know, who are they to wear that kind of stuff, you know? It's so obscene and everything. It was great, you know? 
It's only because we love to be rebels, you know? And it was a lot of fun. Oh, God. Uh, that's great. Now, as we wrap it up here, I always ask when we finish to say, when you look back at your time in the business, and obviously you got your family connections, you had a great run yourself, but what do you want the fans to remember about Pat Tanaka when uh, when the book is closed on the world of professional wrestling? Ah, man, oh, guys, I just want you to remember how hard I took those bumps every night, at least a minimum of 20 or 30 of those crazy-ass falls that I took in the ring. Just remember, man, I did it for you, and I love you all. <laughs> it was a blast. Oh, that's fantastic. And now you're going to be in New Jersey coming up here in October, which is going to be a very cool meet-and-greet, going to be with Paul Diamond as part of Legend of the Ring, and you've got your movie coming out. So I'm going to hand it over to you. You tell us everything going on in the world of Pat Tanaka and send the, uh, the fans and the listeners of the two-man power trip in your direction if they want to learn more about uh, one half of the bad company in the Orient Express, baby. I appreciate it, brother. And let me just tell you, I mean, if you guys can come out and see me, man, October 13th, I'll be out in New Jersey. You'll see it all over Facebook. Uh, it's me and Paul Diamond will be out there. I have some autographs, having a good time with you guys. So if you can be there and if you get a chance, please, please, please check out this movie that I just did. It's called Monster Force Zero. It's on Facebook. It's uh, uh, on YouTube. You know, the trailer's there. There's two of them, in fact. Check it out, man. I'd appreciate it. And, guys, man, I love you all, and it's been a, it's been a pleasure entertaining everybody. And to you guys on the radio station, thank you very much for having me. I love you guys for remembering me. So you guys take care. And uh, next time, maybe uh, we can walk out the bad company together. Oh, we'll take you up on that for sure. We we will be in the building uh, October thirteenth, so we will uh, we'll definitely take you up on that offer. You got it, man. Thank you so much, brother. I appreciate you. you guys. Have a great night. Thanks for listening to the two man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.